Hey guys, welcome back to a uh, another episode of the Gene Panel Podcast. This time uh, without the Gene because we're not going to be focusing on that today. We're going to be talking about our uh, university experience, uh, particularly at the University of Toronto. And we have a pretty big group with us today, besides the usual suspect, uh, that is Ali. Um, Aideen's back from the Jurassic Park episode, and also we have our editor, uh, Ivy. And um, this is going to be more of a free-form kind of episode, we're just going to be kind of conversing with each other mostly. I guess a good place to start would be to talk about what we're all, what programs we're all in. Uh, three of us are in the scientific field, and one of us isn't. I guess I'll start since I'm already talking. I, probably, I think I've said this before, but uh, I'm studying molecular genetics and the molecular genetics and microbiology specialist program at U of T. Yeah, so I'm studying the same thing as Julian, like we said in the first episode. So you get that perspective from this uh, episode, but you're also going to get another aspect of the scientific field at U of T, uh, which is covered by AD. Um, yeah, like in the last episode, I mentioned that I'm doing a double major in human biology and immunology. So I get like kind of like a wide array of the sciences. It's like definitely less specialized than what Julian and Ali do. So yeah, and I originally was studying at U of T. Uh, I was doing a double major in English and cinema studies. Uh, but after second year, I decided to transfer to Ryerson. And now I'm studying creative industries. Yeah. So I guess, why, why did you switch, Ivy? Why did you switch? I really enjoyed the stuff I was learning at U of T. But it didn't feel useful. U of T doesn't offer any sort of like practical courses in the in the the field that I was studying, and they didn't have any like internships things like that. Um, so it's like it was great that I was watching movies and analyzing them and stuff, but I didn't feel like I could really apply it in the real world. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go to Ryerson um, to learn a bit more like hands-on kind of stuff and like businessy things and. Uh, my program at Ryerson also offers an internship, which is a big thing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I think experience is one of the big, bigger uh, things to acquire in university. And it's really hard to get a hold of sometimes. Yeah, yeah in sure. Field. Yeah, at U of T, especially, it's like one of my big criticisms of like the science courses is like how difficult it is to get hands-on experience, like outside of like the first and second year biology labs. Mm-hmm. Like you have to work really hard. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a matter of the program you're into because I think one of the best things about UFT is that it is a research-oriented uh, university. So I think compared to other universities, it's relatively easier. Um, and it's, I don't want to say, I don't want to be arrogant and say it's better research, but, you know, if you're a research-oriented university, then you are, then you are going to be better at research. But Right, because me and Julian, we're in the specialist program, and one of the mm-hmm. perks of it is that you do get um, placed in a research lab. But that's not to say if you're in another program, you know, like not in a specialist, that you can't get research, right? You have to work for it, but it's still there, which is really important. Yeah, we essentially get, like, um, somebody to go out and find someone for us, basically. And then, you know, they approve of us. They're like, okay, I'll, I'll work with this guy, sure. Right? Um, but for, like, I mean, we don't we don't really gotta say we should yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean we can like get like a kind of like a gist of what we want to study and then they can try to find someone who is works in that field but yeah as alia was saying or i think also i didn't saying it too but um in in uft it's it's kind of harder for 
a lot of the other people that aren't in a specialist program because they don't they don't have that they don't have someone to get a lab for them and yeah. i feel like when you're doing like a double major for example a lot of the classes you're in are pr- pretty like larger than uh, for yeah, example definitely. are more like specialized co- classes which um correct me if i'm wrong Ali, but i think it's around like 30 people in like some of our 20, classes 30 people yeah. yeah the smaller ones are like 20 yeah. um, so you definitely are closer with your uh professors exactly exactly and such yeah so if you're like class yeah. like 100 people and you and you really like the prof you want to get into his lab then it's gonna be a little harder to distinguish yourself and also like you have a, a lot of other people who probably are thinking the exact same thing yeah and i think yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead uh like just like another thing that i would like add to that um talking about like some of these bigger majors and like trying to get into a lab one of the most difficult things that people might find in their upper years like definitely found this in my third year is like a lot of your profs switch like for instance um in my m major basically like we almost had a different prof i'd say like two-thirds of the time two-thirds of our courses were taught by like completely different profs like every week or for like two lectures so it was really hard to get like a foothold in like getting right. to know them and um our like in course like in 340 and in 350 had like 400 students in them. yeah but like the difficulty with that is like you're not having the same prof every time so if you are one of those really diligent students which i will fully admit i am not who like goes up to the prof after every lecture it's kind of like redundant because next week you're gonna have a different prof and like the prof who you just spoke to isn't gonna like know you or, yeah, yeah. and, and there, yeah, there's probably going to be so many other students that go up and talk to them. And another point I actually wanted to add is when it comes to research experience, you should be really open-minded. You shouldn't be, you know, set on, okay, I want to study receptor-mediated endocytosis in uh, liver cells. Like, don't be specific in what you want to study. Of course, pursue those as your primary goals, but it's oftentimes it's, the research or you know the experiences that you don't expect that you end up getting and you actually end up really enjoying it which is i think one of the beauties of you know life in general Mm -hmm. but in this case in research yeah i think like sorry if i could just add like one last thing for that um for me anyway it was like kind of like finding my niche like i for instance, like I have like a lot of like volunteer experience with like Canadian blood services and there's like a bunch of stuff going on there with like HIV and like bioethics and stuff. And like the research position that I have right now, I feel like I almost like single handedly got that position because of my experience with like kind of like the bigger picture. Like I'm like I'm hopefully going to work in an HIV lab next year. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's an important point to cater your, I guess, past experiences that may not be lab related to a lab you want to get into right so like Aideen was saying she worked in a blood lab and then you know you can apply to labs that you know work with those things and because they see you have experience they're more likely to want you in their lab yeah I mean my experience was like totally not lab related like I was out on the street being like hi do you want to donate blood hi, yeah do you but it, it's, blood? it's just another perspective <laughs> right it, it's while it's not completely related it still has elements of what you want to study in your work yeah yeah yeah. so yeah that was 
our experiences okay. with the lab. I feel like one, one last thing in the lab that we probably should have mentioned earlier while we were still talking about it, because we talked about how it's hard to get a prof to notice you or like get a lab in the first place. We didn't really propose a solution. But um, oh, I guess geez. sometimes you just kind of have to, it, it may seem like, you, like it's impossible there, to there, get there's no there is a solution you just email profs right, right. So I was, yeah i was gonna yeah exactly email yeah. profs you just have to email them research yes. scholarships okay so let's talk about that now, exactly then. so you just send out emails to you know and don't be afraid to like send them to multiple multiple profs um yeah and some okay, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and they might just ask you for like like if they don't know you too well they might ask for like a resume or like to, to see you in person to like you know maybe like a less formal interview of sorts um, yeah, tell them to like look up their research and maybe personalize the email you sent to each oh, prof sure. a bit yeah. so that they know you're not just some random sending the same email to 50 profs. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. something yeah. that helped me a lot is I actually went to a research seminar and like um, it was like done by students at U of T. So like keep your eye out if like you do go to U of T and you're looking for research try to see if there are any like seminars going on and it's like hosted by other students who have been in your shoes and like have gotten research mm -hmm. and like they give you all the tips and tricks um and i found that really helpful yeah so, Ivy, do you want to like talk about like your future or like you said that you have an internship right because like we just went on and on about like lab research yeah but maybe there are people <laughs> yeah. listening who would be kind of interested in like what your internship is going to be like yeah so Theoretically, my internship should be next summer. Usually in my program, it's uh, in the summer before fourth year. But because I have like transfer credits and everything, uh, my the order of my program is a little bit different right now, just for me. But yeah, it's basically can be anything that would apply to the field that we want to go to, into. Uh, so for me personally, I'm looking more towards film um, and anything sort of media related. So I'm going to be aiming to get an internship with TIFF or something like that. That would be so um, cool. Yeah. Get Very hard to Make a documentary about this podcast. I think that would be really <laughs> <good>. <laughs> yes. I'll move Okay. guess. And, and a question about transferring. Did you find it difficult to transfer? Like if someone wants to transfer, right? So um, how difficult is the process? Honestly, it wasn't that difficult. Um, like, in terms of actually leaving U of T, you don't have to do anything. You just don't enroll in any you, programs for the next you semester. Just leave. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, the one time and, ghosting is okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And to get into Ryerson, you just apply like normal. You do have to do like a little write up of your transfer credits to say like what class entailed, basically, and provide uh, the syllabus and everything just so they know that. It's a class that would apply towards a class at Ryerson. Um, right. But yeah, the whole process isn't that difficult. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's cool. This is kind of like an obscure question, but I feel like it might be worth talking about. Like one of the ugly sides of U of T is like arrogance and like kind of looking down on other unis. And I feel like Ryerson is the one that gets thrown under the bus a lot. Did you yeah. feel like, I don't know, did you feel like scared to like tell people that you were transferring? I mean, like, I you have good reason, and it's, like, not because, like, you're not capable. Like, big yeah, up Ivy, like, I was... like, scholarships, and, like, we were all in the same college, which is, like, really competitive. It was, like, literally just what's best for you, and, like, people might not understand that. So I'm, like, curious what your experience was. 
Yeah, I think a lot of the stigma around Ryerson is that, like, that's where you go if U of T is too hard or if you can't get into U of T to begin with. But for me, it was just, like, U of T, I don't think, is amazing for humanities, especially the arts. It's way more of a science school or engineering. Um, so I just wanted to go to Ryerson to have, be in a school that applies to my field that I want to go into. But I definitely did feel a little bit embarrassment because I feel like if you tell people that you're going to Ryerson out of U of T they're going to immediately think oh you couldn't do U of T you couldn't uh, put up with how hard it was yeah yeah which is like totally untrue and like you're so I guess a transition from here would be we have we actually have two groups of people here we have commuters and we have people who've lived on campus and this group is actually very biased because I'm the only commuter and we actually have three people who lived on residence and we think that that's a vital part to you know university experience in general mm -hmm. so we wanted to speak a little to that so, so you guys having lived on 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 campus how did you guys find that experience uh you might guess if i if i go ahead and start yeah sure just don't throw us under the bus as your <laughs> <roommate>. <laughs> um yeah so adina and ivy and myself were actually living in the same res we lived in uh, a suite style kind of uh, accommodation. So there was, I think we lived with like, was it seven people? It was a lot. Seven and then six. <laughs> yeah, seven. Um, and it was like, it was like three guys and like four girls or something. Um, yeah. But I really, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, part of the reason is because I'm also an international student. So and I had only, only had one person from my uh, hometown who also, I uh, went to Toronto, and so I didn't really have anyone, I didn't really know anyone at all, because uh, I know a lot of people that go to University of Toronto are like, uh, they know each other from high school or whatever, and I didn't know anyone, and so I think living uh, with other people in res kind of, or at least for me, I felt motivated to make more connections, and I saw it as like, because I don't know anyone, and no one really knows me, it's kind of like a blank state, uh, a blank slate, so you kind of... I was kind of more motivated to make connections from the get-go. And uh, I really enjoyed it, uh, living in res, because you get to hang out with people, um, hopefully good people. I said I didn't really know who I was going to stay with. I guess I, I got really lucky to get good good people to, to spend time with. Yeah, we yeah, also I completely... a lot of effort. Sorry, Ivy, go ahead. My bad. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I've done both. So, like, I've lived in residence at U of T and then now at Ryerson, I'm, I guess, considered a commuter. Like I, I'm still living in Toronto, but I'm not in residence. And so like the friends that I made in residence at U of T are still my main Toronto friends. Um, I've made very few friends at, res or at, U at Ryerson, sorry. And I've noticed them is that most of the friends at Ryerson, like the friend groups, they all meet in residence. Mm -hmm. It's just like, and also yeah. just like, just the fact of having like someone else to, to be there. I, I, I like, especially because I'm, I like to be myself, or I'm pretty sure I'm more of like a people person. So, like, I, for example, I study better when I'm studying a lot, like, beside someone else rather than when I'm studying by myself, even if they're studying something completely different. Ivy can attest to the fact that I'd be kind of really annoying. Well, she'd be writing an essay and I'd be studying for some science <laughs> course. <laughs> Um, yes, and playing very loud music and uh, YouTube videos. Yeah, sorry about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I did. And I had to like put up with me and Julian studying 
and like talking in cowboy accent for like no reason (laughs) that's how you keep morale up (laughs) in res yeah i mean we like one thing i will say about res and it's like i think a lot of people are like oh yeah res is like so easy like you'll just meet a bunch of people and they'll instantly be your friends Mm -hmm. but like actually like like there's a lot of effort into like maintaining relationships with people like Mm -hmm. frosh week it's like really easy because no one has class going on but like after that it's really hard to like keep in touch with people so like one thing that we did is like um we'd like try to have dinner with like each other um as often as possible yeah but yeah so you like you do have to put effort in but i will say that it's like definitely easier to like have those like moments i think that i think that our sweet style also made it a lot easier because it was like seven of us living the same sort of apartment style thing Mm -hmm. so we Mm -hmm. shared a kitchen and a living room and that made us kind of like forced to hang out in the living room together because i i mean i can't say for sure but i feel like if you're in a single room then you don't really have as much of a reason to interact with other people yeah yeah um and it does come with the chairs ups ups and downs i feel like there's more ups and downs obviously but especially i guess because our situation was a bit more unique than most uh i think most people usually only have one roommate we had six yeah as i said before yeah yeah i I say i got lucky uh meeting ivy and adine in res um but there were also um it, it is hard um you can't really make good friends with everyone not saying that i i hated anyone i lived with but certainly like as you guys were saying cleaning is kind of you think it's such a simple thing to do but it's kind of hard to organize seven uh young adults to clean a suite i'm not too learned on like campus life but i'm pretty sure this is only for first year because moving on to second and third year i know julian a lot of other people they start to rent they they don't live in the university's uh building uh housing places but they get you know housing near the university that's not owned by the university so all of that changes in a sense doesn't it the whole roommate dynamic yeah i mean julian you stayed in res for so another year but it was like a two smaller years. apartment yeah I, I was honestly fine with the uh the facility for facilities for the most part um and i think the main thing is that it just made it, it made it makes going to going to uh through all the classes a lot easier because you know you live on campus everything's like you just walk there and it takes like no time at all you don't have to worry much about like cooking or anything because you have like the meal plan or whatever and like you you have i i had another good friend who was my roommate and so we lived together and that was really fun but yeah a lot of people don't get out of res after one after first year right yeah i had a completely opposite experience because i was a commuter which meant that i lived at home and then i would you know commute to the university and so my main mode of transportation was taking the subway uh to and then back from school and i think while it i don't see it as a complete disadvantage because i still was able to use my time on the subway either just you know relaxing in the mornings or reading a book or have or doing my readings on my commute um i think one of the only problems that i can see is that it's totally unpredictable, especially with the TTC. Mm. I had mornings where, you know, I missed because I had a 9 a.m. class, which was the earliest class I've ever had in the three years uh, I've had at university. And I missed, I think, two classes because of um, 
TTC delays. Oh, no. And I think besides that, yeah, it, it, I really did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I, I, one of the reasons I picked the University of Toronto was because it was relatively close to my home. And so I was able to commute because I'm more comfortable, you know, living in my house, studying in my room, especially, you know, some people go to the library to study, but I'm just a complete, I just have to be at my desk or if I'm memorizing something, I have to be walking around in my room and just, you know, memorizing that way. So it all depends on what type of a person you are, what kind of experience you want from university. And then based on that, you can choose whether you want to live on campus or you want to live at home and commute. Yeah. Ali, have you ever, like, um, what did you do for exams? Because sometimes, like, you have, like, a 9 a.m. Saturday exam. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have not experienced that, that's awesome. But, like, one of the things I've always been afraid of with, like, living too far away from campus is, like, missing an exam. Have you ever had, like, a close call with that? Uh, Thankfully, no. And honestly, the best way to avoid that is to just uh, is, is, is to just overestimate the amount of time it's going to get it's going to take for you to get to university so just plan for anything that so Murphy's law anything that anything bad that can happen will happen so just you know leave your house as early as you can leave your house at 5 a.m after an all-nighter <laughs> and hop on that TTC and go take <laughs> that actually that actually did happen once uh, oh, for, Jillian, for our first MGY 311 exam I I don't know. I think I think everyone, a lot of people pulled an all nighter. But yeah, I pulled an all nighter. Um, and then the exam was at eight thirty in the morning. So yeah, oh my were, god, yeah, yeah, the three. Yeah, so were, yeah, it was not enjoyable. But you know, you just and I and I actually want to speak to that. It's that do not pull all nighters. Well, sometimes you may have to, but for the most part, prioritize your sleep. Like for you're sure. gonna see a drastic difference. In like not only your mental health, but also in your uh, academic performance. I feel like it's very important to get a sufficient amount of sleep or else life's going to be miserable. Yeah, for sure. And I learned that as a commuter the hard way. Like just getting more sleep, just, I don't know, you just, you just feel better. And even just going to class yeah. and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ali, uh, how did you find that impacted your ability to make friends? Because I think... I know I've lost a lot of friends um, after first year just from people deciding to commute for second year. And then they were just like never able to hang out. They always had to go home right after school. How did you find that? So obviously you're not going to make friends on the subway. If you do, you're going to make pretty (laughs) weird friends. Um, But I think for me personally, um, my style is that a lot of my friends that I have, they do live in Richmond Hill. So where I live, but they don't go to the University of Toronto, at least not all of them do. Uh, and making fr- in terms of making friends, uh, I was very fortunate and well, not fortunate because I knew this was going to happen in first year when, you know, the sizes of the classes were huge. So at convocation hall, you'd have like a thousand people in one class. Mm-hmm. You don't really expect to make friends or if you do, you don't expect to um, maintain those friends throughout all of university. These were just people that, you know, in my mind, I just went to class with them and then that's all it was. But once second year came and, you know, we picked our program, so uh, class sizes began to change and became significantly smaller. That's when you meet your closer group of friends. Um, and that's just how I was. You know, I'm I'm not the most extroverted person. So, you know, these smaller sizes really suit how I made friends. So yeah, it, it, it's, 
a bit strange how you meet people, but it again, it's all down to preference and what you what you're like as a person. Yeah, I think it just kind of happened with with uh, Ali and I. We yeah. we only knew each other uh, briefly in like first and second, uh, first and oh, uh, first year. I think we yeah. shared a biology class together, and yeah. I think we both had uh, we both shared a mutual friend, and so yeah. we kind of just sat with him, and then you know we were we we're I'd say we were friends, but like you know. But you're just, not you're not. Just, it's just a person close, you sit yeah. with in a class with who has similar t- taste and humor, a really poor taste and humor, might I add. <laughs> but uh, very bad. But, yeah. Um, and then, and then I remember that's the, yeah. Yeah, I remember over the summer in one of our like group chats, we we're we we're talking about like the class we we're picking or whatever, and uh, it just happened to be a pure coincidence that both Ali and I enrolled in the uh, molecular genetic specialist program, which is a pretty big yeah. coincidence considering how little people. Are are in that program? It's like twenty six or something and, like that. Yeah, and I and I thought he was. Yeah, I thought he was just joking or something. Yeah. Like, oh, because I yeah, because he wanted to just I don't know, but it, again, that's the beauty of life. It's the unexpected that happens that just completely changes everything. Yeah. You know, that's if you think about it, that's how this podcast started. You know, it <laughs> it was some random person you meet in first year, you become really good friends with, and then you just pursue these you know crazy things together which is pretty amazing honestly Absolutely. i would say so having spoke about uh commuting and residence another important thing that people often talk about and you know emphasize is extracurricular activities so um doing things outside of just academics which mm-hmm. i hope everyone does um so do you guys want to speak a little about that your experiences mm-hmm. with that sure um I did probably like the most important extracurricular thing I did was volunteering. Like I mentioned it earlier, I volunteered with Canadian Blood Services as a um, donor recruiter, which is literally just standing on the side of the street being like, please donate blood, please donate blood. And like, it's a really difficult thing to get started with, but like, it really did help with like my communication skills and like it built confidence. yeah oh my god my first day like they were like three hour shifts and you're like constantly smiling for like three hours while people are like don't talk to me i'm in a rush i would never donate blood i'm afraid of needles and like you have like training but the training isn't really like realistic but i would like really recommend doing something that's kind of like if like if you're in a science field something like that where it's like related to science but it's not like super related to your course because I ended up meeting like a bunch of people from UFT who were like in their fourth year or in graduate school and I ended up like having like really good opportunities to like pick their brain of like how to do all the stuff that they're doing because like we were sat at a table for like three hours with no one talking to us so like um it was really helpful and also like it uh kind of forces you to kind of like condense like a lot of scientific information to the public so I feel like just doing something that's kind of related to science but like not necessarily affiliated with U of T like can still be really beneficial and like I said like I use that as a lot of leverage to get a lab position because like I didn't do a third year lab so I was kind of disadvantaged right yeah so I would like really recommend doing something along those lines yeah I don't know if you guys have like done anything like uh, extracurricular like that. Uh, so I think Julian has a yeah. <laughs> so I didn't do anything uh, science related at all. Um, my the extracurriculars I did were more of a 
like a de-stress kind of activ activities. So first and second year, um, I got uh, I um, I got into the well, I didn't get into it. It's in, you don't there's no tryouts or anything, but uh, I signed up to be part of the uh, ultimate frisbee team at Victoria College, and uh, something I really enjoyed doing back in my hometown was playing ultimate frisbee with my friends. So I figured why not, and uh, I made a couple of friends there, and it was really fun. The thing about intramurals is that pretty much anyone can join. So the skills uh, are all over the place. Anywhere from people who can't throw or catch a frisbee to a uh, to complete frisbee uh, professionals, just destroying everyone <laughs> on the field. Uh, I was somewhere in the middle. I think uh, during most games, He's being humble. During most games, my accuracy was about fifty percent. Uh, but uh, man, some people were like really good. I remember going up against dentistry for whatever reason. Dentistry had a really good ultimate team. Uh, <laughs> And they kind of cheated too, because um, they blinded us with their uh, with their smiles. Falling out. Oh, I thought you were gonna say they literally blinded <laughs> you guys, but just <laughs> some sinister means. No, 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 no. That was a terrible joke. <laughs> I actually, think we should. <laughs> it's a good yeah. joke, but uh, I really enjoyed it because you know you get your exercise in, and it's also it's also really fun. You make friends, and again, it's just For something sure, that yeah. you do like on the weekend, like after you had a rough week or whatever. And it's just something that's like always consistent. Like you might have had a bad week, you might have a good week, but at least you know you always have fun at frisbee. So that's like something one of like the consistencies to. I could. Yeah, exactly. One of the consistencies yeah. I could maintain for first and second yeah. year. Uh, I didn't do it third year mostly because uh, third year I stopped living in Red, so it was kind of harder to, you know, I didn't really. It was harder for me to commute all the way to, to campus to practice and play games and whatnot. But um, yeah. I, I certainly enjoyed it. A question i had is do you guys think that the program you're in affects what extracurriculars you engage in because i know we're three science people and then we have one i guess arts and humanities so can you speak to that ivy as in did you feel like you had other experiences or is it just anything yeah i mean definitely on the club day where we all walk around and see the different clubs that are available it was very much geared towards the English kind of clubs, so uh, like literary journals, um, painting clubs, things like that. I would, I cannot see myself joining like a sciency club or doing something like that. I personally, I didn't really join any clubs. I was part of the vegan club for like a week, um, <laughs> but other than that, uh, I just worked like dining hall, uh, the Gerstein Library. And How was that experience Starbucks. with m balancing work and school? Um, it was definitely hard. Uh, I found that I didn't have a lot of free time, uh, especially with the library job. I was able to do work while or do like school work while I was working because it was more of a desk job. Yeah, it's definitely hard to juggle. You have to be really good at time management. Yeah. How, how did you um, get those jobs? I feel like maybe people might be interested in like how you actually got those um the dining hall job was really easy to get uh i just saw a poster in the dining hall that said they're hiring so i applied and just had like a quick interview and i got it mm -hmm. the library job i know is a bit more competitive you have to go on the library website and i basically applied to all the library positions i could like i qualified for um and anyone that goes to U of D knows that there's a lot of libraries. 
mm-hmm. on campus. Yeah. I was really lucky that I just got one call back because um, like all of them, all, all the other ones I got rejected. Oh, wow. But I think by far the hardest one you applied to was um, the Gene Panel podcast, right? We have a very rigorous um, oh, yeah, application definitely. process. Yeah. You definitely like, amazing. weren't recruited. Yeah. <laughs> you barely made it into uh, the team. I yeah. know. We had a bunch My of editing other skills editors. just made the cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, um okay. you're like still working while you're at ryerson right like this first year at ryerson like you had a job throughout yeah mm-hmm. i've been working yeah, was that like I've harder been at starbucks um I, I don't think so because at U of T, I was working two jobs like i was working the library job and the dining hall at the same time but at ryerson i only worked at starbucks mm-hmm. but it definitely wasn't as hard do you think it was like different like getting a job like off campus like I don't know I'm wondering if it was easier to get a job on campus like at U of T because you were a student and then like applying to a job like at a Starbucks is kind of open to everyone yeah I think the uh, uh campus jobs the dining hall job was super easy to get into um but I think there's almost more competition Okay. For the campus jobs, like the library, um, just because there's so many students applying and everyone wants a campus job because it's easy to access. Um, mm-hmm. Starbucks is like typical, you know, minimum wage job that mainly students apply for anyway. And you don't need a lot of qualifications. Mm-hmm. Right. So now that we kind of talk about uh, all of our work and academics, we should talk about you know, university is fun, right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I had such a good time. <laughs> so yeah. what little free time we did have, I guess the main way I, I, I tried to spend my free time was, again, I'm a very people kind of person. So I would, if, I, if I can, I would, I would want to spend it with friends. And the really nice thing about U of T is that it's in Toronto and uh, Toronto's a pretty big city. Um, even though I kind of wish we had gone out a little more, especially now that with like the whole pandemic thing happening, um, (laughs) there's still a lot to do, um, in Toronto, big city. There's lots of, lots of restaurants. Yeah. I think like, this is something that we end up talking about a lot. Like, um, one of the hardest things about U of T and like trying to have like a social life at U of T is that everyone else has like the same or usually like people have the same mindset if you're in the same courses and stuff so if you're in a really competitive program there aren't going to be a lot of people who are like let's go out on friday let's go do this because everybody's like i'm studying and then like when the people around you are saying that they're studying all the time you kind of feel pressured to study Mm -hmm. and then also you don't have anyone to go out with so it kind of like exacerbates this mindset of like people at U of T like constantly studying and that was something that i found really difficult to overcome yeah. Um, and it kind of like definitely like impedes on your ability to have like that movie college experience at U of T. Yeah. And I should add that as a commuter, my experience, again, is different. I sh- so the friends that I have at school are not the people that I hang out with outside of school. Yeah, we hung um, out cause... online. You hear that, Julian? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I, th- I, we, play, I, I we, we played it. games every now and then on a couple nights. Yeah, video. Yeah. But like going out of my way to commute an hour it's, right. it's just not feasible for me and plus um i have my own group of friends around me and these are people that i've grown up with so mm-hmm. i'm much closer with them so again it all depends on 
you. It, it, that's that's always what it comes down to. So I think we've talked about everything we've wanted to talk about. And if there's anything important that we've missed, there's always our socials for you to for you guys to contact us on and ask us questions that you want answered. So again, we thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Gene Panel Podcast, even though it wasn't really genetics oriented. But those episodes will come back soon. We have a ton of episodes in store for you guys. So be sure to tune in next time as we delve deeper into the world of genetics. Thank you.